0: And this is my Slovak experience. Hey, hey, thank you for being here. I am always grateful to you and for the time that you take to discover a new Slovak experience. And today such experience comes from Mongolia, where Billy was born and lived for a long time before coming to study in Europe and entering Slovakia in 1998. So it's 20 years ago, and I recognize that Slovakia was probably a quite different world than today, and Billy takes us there, since the first rough 90s. He's also a linguist, so we spoke about Slovak, about Mongolian, we talk about food and how to get Slovak citizenship, we talk about many things, and I think it's just time to listen, right? So please welcome to Billy (music) Altansuk. I'm uh, I'm here with uh, Billy Altansuk, right?
1: That's correct.
0: Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Lela. Really pleasure to be here.
0: So, Billy, um, actually, I I don't, I'm not sure. I would like to know. Actually, is Billy your real name or is just the uh, the Western name? And Uh, how how is your name really?
1: yeah, Yeah, it is my Western name. And it is at the same time a real name that I'm using here because I've got two citizenships, an interesting story. Uh, When I got my Slovak citizenship, I had an option or opportunity to change the name so that it's more uh, easy to pronounce and easy to... to advance my my relationship, networking, and mm-hmm. career generally, my original Mongolian name, which still I have it in my Mongolian passport, in all my Mongolian documents, mm-hmm. is um, Bilik Saikhan. So, Billy Ksai Khan. so there people, is still some part of Billy, then. Correct. Yeah, people. Yeah, my friends called me Billy already from uh, early childhood. So it's not. It's not. It's, it's almost like a, a dream come true that uh, your nickname becomes your real name. <laughs> so it's it happened when I when I got the citizenship here.
0: And, and your full name, like from name, surname in Mongolian? How does it sound? Bilik Seyhan Altansuk. Okay, cool. So you, you, you are from Mongolia, right? Correct,
1: That's yeah, I am but from you're Mongolia. living in Slovakia. For a very long time. How uh, did it happen? Well, I, you always say it's like, right? always uh, look for a woman in the, in the background. And many, many uh, my friends, uh, foreigners in Slovakia, one of the reasons they, they actually ended up in Slovakia was exactly the, the girl, the wife and, you know, the partner. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, same for me. I actually met my wife in Germany. I, I actually came to Germany to study and there uh, i met my wife and uh, she's slovak mm-hmm. so we're we started our relationship in 1997 so it's like over 21 years mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of which we have married for around 18 years okay. so we, we decided to to live in slovakia after i finished university
0: and uh, so d- your journey started uh, 21 years ago in Mongolia to Germany or oh, no?
1: even earlier okay. because uh, I, I arrived to Germany in 1995 okay so it was uh, first time actually I, I went there without any knowledge of the language but I could speak English I could speak Russian which we mm-hmm. learned in all those post uh, socialist countries as you know mm-hmm. they we had at school Russian from the first uh, grade and it helped a lot uh, in my adaptation to Slovak language. Generally I'm interested in languages, which I speak six of them. So I decided to go to Germany to study because this is an attractive and interesting language in addition the. The costs for study were almost like uh, close to zero, right? You just needed to uh, make sure you, you live, uh, you have something for a living, mm-hmm. but the university was for free once you've been admitted and accepted. So the, they accepted my application. I went there in 1995. I had to uh, go through a special college for foreign students who need to be prepared for German university because you cannot study. Uh, at university with tourist language right okay. so, that's why one one year we, st- we spent a very intensive um, uh, so this is in german
0: so that to, was to in be Germany, able to
1: exactly yeah. so that's the reason why i was in europe then i met my current wife yeah that time my girlfriend and, uh, and when
0: you yeah. when when uh, you know when you went to Slovakia the first time many years ago, what, what oh, that were your impressions? Uh, yeah,
1: 1998, I came first time here, and I can tell you the the country has really changed since then. Uh, I think it was a very isolated country to be honest. When, when I arrived here, things were not working properly as it would. So there was a clear difference when I saw it to eastern Germany because that's the part where I was Mm -hmm. studying and it was like developing like hell uh whereas Germany was investing a lot of money so they after reunification many things were happening there but uh Slovakia was a kind of isolated and there was because of politics right Mm -hmm. they had a prime minister who didn't want to get uh closer to Europe yeah so it's uh so think that, think was that was the, the time
0: you, you came in.
1: Yeah, that was the, the time. So you could, you cannot imagine, you know, like the prices, uh, the uh, variety of things you could uh, buy as well. So it was all in the beginning. And it's kind of, even Slovaks, they call it the rough 90s, right? Yeah. So <laughs> it was a rough time. Uh, crime and everything was uh, still pretty high, but... Uh, it it started to change after that and what and
0: did I, you choose then if that was such an awful time to stay in slovakia
1: you know when you're in love right you tend to love not just the person but the country mm-hmm. the person is coming from so i actually uh, you know after the initial kind of uh, surprise uh, i've experienced then i was uh, i started to see the beautiful parts of Slovakia right Mm -hmm. the way how people interact how they appreciate when you start speaking Slovak to them and actually I'm into languages I studied languages that's why for me it was a kind of natural way of uh, connecting to the culture through mm. the language. So it was so of,
0: uh, the first Slavic language for you? To, to no, the it? first
1: Slavic was Russian, as I oh, mentioned. Okay, so you, yeah. you,
0: in Mongolia you already spoke
1: Russian, Correct. then you
0: spoke German when you went to Germany, and then you met Slovak.
1: Yeah, and, and I also spoke English, English mean, already well, yeah. from the fourth grade at Which school. one is
0: the sixth then? I miss one. Czech. Ah, Czech, Czech,
1: no, of Czech of because if you speak, uh, and, and the, uh, r- regarding the Czech, it was also funny because when when I arrived here, uh, media and everything was very much uh, Czech language based. You could actually see many movies and TV series all uh, produced in Czech or by Czech television. So uh, more or less, you were bombarded by the Czech mm-hmm. language when you were watching Slovak TV very often. <laughs> But that's uh, changed uh, uh, with the time eh? now they have everything in Slovak language. Yeah.
0: But I'm still surprised when I, you know, I have the occasion to have uh, in, with meetings with some friends or members of my family and there are like Slovaks and Czechs and they just both speak their own language Okay, fine. They just understand each. It would like you know, if uh, Italians and Spanish would just stay there and speak one Spanish and one Italian, and they wouldn't actually understand each other so much. I
1: don't think. No, it's. it's I so think often. it's much closer than so that's, uh, that's Italian and Spanish. So Czech and Slovak, it's very close. So mm-hmm. if you if you learn one of them you actually have no problem to understand. So then you you can fluently understand Czech as well. Yeah, exactly. So from understanding perspective, it opens you doors to many other languages Mm -hmm. as well, right? So how is the
0: Mongolian? How do you say, I don't know, welcome to my Slovak experience, podcasting Uh,
1: Mongolian? uh, Mm. Hmm. it, so, it, it sounds a bit like Chinese as well. So nah, no, not at all. Sound, no, not, uh, at all? not at all. I think the, the, the we call it the throat uh, vowels, you don't have that many in, in, okay. in Chinese. So it, it's different, definitely different. It's a different language family. It has nothing to do with Russians in the north, which, mm-hmm. are, which we neighbor with. And it has nothing to do with the Chinese, which is our southern neighbor. So it's uh, independent. So, uh, is there family. any word
0: to get common with Slovak?
1: No, even with Slovak, no. Not um, one r- single
0: word, like you know, restaurant. No,
1: restaurant. but actually, we have so many uh, many common words with Hungarian. Okay. Because Hungarian language kind of uh, related to to Mongolian mm-hmm. uh, branch, right? So that's uh, that's the reason why Slovaks don't understand Hungarians because it's totally unrelatable language right you cannot you cannot utilize your Slavic knowledge mm-hmm. to understand uh, Hungarians yeah. but, but some vocabulary I think they have more yeah they influenced each other mm-hmm. so they have some words in in Mongolia and we don't have we, we have words from China probably taken from Chinese but uh, generally, Chinese wouldn't understand us. We neither Chinese nor well Rus- uh, Russians. We understand because we learned that, but mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the language background. Yeah. And um, in
0: what uh, in what city did you come first when you came to Slovakia? Bratislava.
1: Okay. Yeah, Bratislava. So you know, and and uh, the impressions uh, from it. it you, you could literally see at that time when you crossed the border and, and uh, you came to Slovakia, cars were different mm-hmm. from Western country, from Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, infrastructure, you know, condition was totally different. So um, all those things, even the brands, right? The brands, the shops, which now is actually very similar. Yeah. So if you cross the border to austria or czech you wouldn't even know as a foreigner you wouldn't even know that you crossed the border because you would probably find in shopping malls looks like same brands same, mm-hmm. same names that time it was totally different right this um it wasn't uh, from a, economical perspective it wasn't open market yet fully so all those brands uh, were coming step by step you know i think the first opening of tesco was a kind of event here mm-hmm. and <laughs> Then other, other um, big uh, multinational brands started to come mm-hmm. and open their branches here in Slovakia. So then it started to resemble more uh, the uh, like Austria or, or Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's uncomparably different and it's the same actually. Like in, in uh, many areas. And,
0: and the same is also in Mongolia, if you go back?
1: And no, no, uh, it's not, because the obviously you will not see the uh, European brands. Okay. So you would probably it would be a mixture of uh, Chinese uh, brands and uh, Russian, South Korean, actually, mm. very strong, uh, present in the Mongolian market. So you can, you can find the uh, food or uh, supermarket chain from South Korea operating in Mongolia. So it's... Uh, uh, it's not BILA that you would find there for example uh, but yeah I think uh, development of countries goes exactly that dire- this way so the more advanced developed countries they at some point they enter the market mm-hmm. and then they they actually set up their standards in yeah. the new market so they, they demand the standards to be the same, and they actually um, help the country to raise the standards. No, that's true. It's interesting
0: to see uh, for me the packaging with the language instructions behind, right? So you see that, for example, in the Slovakia, you buy something here, you have you know Polish and Slovak and Czech and Hungarian and uh, Russian and uh, Bulgarian and so on. while if you buy it in Austria, you have Austrian friends. Uh, uh, you know, English, Italian, yeah. uh, Spanish. So it, it's like uh, these are the distribution, but actually, yeah. this is also where the products are mostly oriented. I, I, I suppose exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Uh, what? Um, so, if you if you make a comparison right between your um, your, your home country and, and, and Slovakia. So how? How do you see the, the, the differences and the similarities?
1: Oh my God, I mean, it's two different worlds, right? Okay. It's a Mongolia is Central Asian country. Mm-hmm. So a person coming from Central Asia to Europe, I mean, must see the real difference there. Mm-hmm. The same way as someone from Africa will come to, mm-hmm. to Europe and there will be significant difference in the lifestyle and, and many other things. And the the funny thing is, that when I came here, there was not internet at that time, right? It was 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, internet was not even. So I was I used to make phone calls uh, to my uh, my home, and I almost had to take a loan from the bank. That's how expensive it was at that time. Uh, unimaginable now, but at that time, uh, what I the cheapest way was to write letters and then wait for s- several weeks to arrive in Mongolia. Mm-hmm. I think it was a romantic, a very good way of communication, which I started to miss because now instantly anyone, your mom can just call you from any corner of Mongolia. Uh, At that time, I I used to carefully select my words, carefully select my uh, photos because you couldn't send the photos. So you actually need to take the photo, go to Fuji Center or wherever, (laughs) Kodak Center, and then develop them and put it in the envelope, uh, send via post. That were the times I experienced, and I'm not very old, but from that into into the age of uh, if internet and the instant access to everything, it's it's totally changed every uh, mm. the I perception.
0: postcards perhaps are sent nowadays,
1: but yeah, but you know, it. to your family you want to write certain experience yeah. because for you know you, Europeans they they consider the rest of the world exotic, mm-hmm. but. For the rest of the world, Europe is exotic, right? Because that's what they want to go and see. And, you know, they heard about it. And and every time when I was going during my study times back to Mongolia, my relatives were really like, Yeah, tell tell us like how life is there, right? Like they were asking questions the same way you would ask anyone who arrived from Bali or Indonesia mm-hmm. or whatever, like how is life there? What 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 do they do? So it's it's it is an exotic Place for 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 Asians, uh, the way how Europeans work, live, uh, make decisions, you know, and this is totally interesting uh, to to my people. And I was uh, kind of as, felt myself as a messenger between those two worlds. Okay, and I I think I I had the advantages that I I gained from both, right? So I kept really good traits from like easygoingness from Mongolian, like not not being too too much concerned about the uh, obstacles and adaptability, flexibility. Mm-hmm. I think Mongolians are very adaptable. And then from European culture, I inherited a really, uh, I think, very good uh, sense of uh, detail, right? Uh, detailed thinking, analytical thinking as well, not making decisions too fast. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's what German, at least German culture, um, taught me, and the German way of thinking mm-hmm. ac- a- appealed to me to the level that I, I believe that I actually took it. Uh, and my wife, she recognizes many of things. Said, that, ah, that's your German school now mm-hmm. talking to me. <laughs> right. So. so a bit of everything that makes, uh, you
0: know, our experience actually good. No? So a bit of culture from one place, from one other. What are the good things um, about the, the Slovak experience?
1: When, when you, as I say, when you love someone from the country, you, at first you tend to like the country, like mm-hmm. unconditionally. You come and you say, yeah, I love it. I love everything about that country and mm-hmm. uh, and so on but actually you find out that you don't know anything about the country right culture literature and everything so you 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 start to find it out step by step and you discover those beauties of language beauty mm-hmm. in the relationship with people so one thing i was really uh, very moved by was wherever we went with my wife to visit some relatives no matter where they are they were always giving us those uh, homemade stuff, you know, in the, uh, you know, the sterilized, uh, uh fruits or vegetables, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the glass. <laughs> like pickles. And, yeah, yeah, like uh, pickles and so on, but, okay. uh, but also fruits, right? Mm-hmm. Like apricots or, uh, cut, uh, oh, yeah. or apples or cherries, you know, and. They had it. The famous compote. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the compote. And, and it's a kind of nice tradition to to give someone who, who is visiting yeah. you the fruit of your work, to yes. say. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's from your garden. It's not from the, from the supermarket. And at that time, I think you couldn't rely that much on supermarkets. Uh, so I, I love this way uh, how Slovaks uh, deal with their... with... Uh, with things that they grow in, the, in their gardens, their relationship to gardening, their relationship to generally to doing things on their own. Mm-hmm. That's I admire. Like Slovak men usually try to do everything at home mm-hmm. on their own, right? So they don't just immediately call the, the, the company to fix something. and. So- uh, the attitude is, uh, and I think it's inherited from the time of socialism, where things were not that uh, in abundance, right? So you, you had to rely more on yourself than on the, on the system. Mm. So people were building their houses on their own. You know, they had to learn everything from the scratch. So this this mentality, like they can do it, is is very strong. So they are not afraid of uh, trying it, and um, they don't fail. Actually, many of them are very very good, so very skilled and that's uh, that's what I feel is one of the uh, interesting uh, traits of, of Slovak nature.
0: Do you follow somehow the politics, the news and information? Oh yeah,
1: oh, yeah. actually you know wh- when I came here first uh, I had to find a job of course, right? Because you, you just don't come here as a tourist and then start uh, living from tourism, <laughs> right? So what I had to I had to find a job, and at that time, when you don't speak the language, especially, it's very difficult. And uh, all those multinational companies were not here, mm-hmm. so they didn't exist. It came after two thousand four, right? Yeah. When really uh, many of them started to open different centers, but that before that, I actually worked as a teacher because uh, there was, and it's there is still actually lack of teachers at the uh, schools
0: mm-hmm.
1: teaching what teaching languages okay right? so I st- as i said i studied languages i'm a linguist so
0: so like uh, any language in particular like english Yeah, or english or german? and
1: german okay. english and german but uh if i had russian i would also teach russian for sure but <laughs> <laughs> but there wasn't. It wasn't an option. But at that school, they were actually very pleased uh, when they uh, contact when I contacted them because they had an um, opening uh, vacancy. It was a private uh, business college, actually. Mm-hmm. So I started there uh, as teacher and uh, learning all those aspects of things that I've learned in theory at the university. Because uh, you know, studying language also means you 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 learn how to teach the language as well. So it's it's actually my uh, uh, branch of uh, of uh, skill or, or qualification. So it was not a, a major uh, problem for me to get into it, and I learned a lot. And it's a, because it's college, you deal with usually teenagers, and mm-hmm. you know how hard it is to <laughs> to raise the teenagers with all the. Uh, <laughs> Puberty starting and, you know, um, and the moods and everything. Uh, I I learned a lot. And I was teaching like for three years until they they actually graduated the college. So we're talking about uh, 15 to 19 years old Mm -hmm. students. So... It, but it was very exhausting, right? It's it's really a mentally a very exhausting job. So I, I can fully empathize with with all the frustration which my uh, former colleagues, teachers are experiencing now, and they're going on strike, mm-hmm. and they they see that their job not really uh, recognized well, right, and or rewarded very well. And I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and because you you have access to the school system you immediately have access actually to all those educated people who yeah. are your colleagues who are experts in Slovak language and literature in history right in chemistry and everything so I I really enjoyed the time when I could uh, learn from them and they they accepted me as uh, not just an equal colleague who is teaching English, but they embraced me as as a foreigner who is willing to learn how things work in Slovakia, uh, Mm -hmm. the culture and the literature. They gave me recommendations on on what to learn uh, first or what to read first, for example, and so on. So even even from perspective of uh, of uh, um, literature and and uh, music and everything, mm-hmm. I I learned within those three years so much that actually I cannot ignore it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, you're you're naturally connected to all the developments in politics. You, you naturally follow all the things happening even in show business yeah. because it's... Uh, and, and the funny thing you, in, in, in Slovakia is it's a small country and Bratislava is actually a small city. So all those, we call them celebrities, right? Or people who you know from the TV, yeah. you can, the probability of meeting them somewhere in public space is very high. So <laughs> you, you can meet someone... Uh, they consider it as a legend of specific sport, just uh, having. Yeah, you
0: just meet because it's yeah, Bratislava. Because it's, it's Bratislava, like, uh, Hollywood yeah. of
1: Slovakia. There you go. So it's. That's that's something that we have very common with Mongolia, by the way. So, Mongolia is also a very small country with three million people. But it's a, it's wide. It's, it's a huge country, but from the size perspective, but from population perspective, it's even smaller than Slovakia. Okay. So, it's just three million.
0: So, half of the countries in Ulaanbaatar and... Ho- yeah, are...
1: yeah, yeah, you, that's, that's absolutely the yeah. situation right now. So, mm-hmm. half of the population is in the capital but city. You, you were from the capital? or Yeah, from I was okay. from capital city. So... You you meet there you meet there some people you see on TV uh, in the public transport mm-hmm. right they don't hide behind a limousine and uh, black windows or whatever so it's uh, you just meet them right uh, and and this uh, proximity to people uh, who influence the country it makes it more like uh, <laughs> connected I would say mm-hmm. right so in in Slovakia that's why in Slovakia all those things that I follow on TV mm-hmm any big uh you know um issues or political crisis or whatever happening or maybe some findings yeah some uh uh, investigations you can you can literally link to any anyone in slovakia Mm -hmm. because of their uh relationship ties within the country there is a higher
0: probability that if someone i don't know gets uh, yeah. It, you know, it's some kind of under the spotlight. This someone might, might be just two level degrees of separation from from any person in this country, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Even so, zero degrees of separation. yeah.
1: So that's why it makes it very difficult. So you cannot actually start uh, easily creating the the dots between connections. So this mm-hmm. is what is happening right now. So I said you were sitting with that uh, suspect uh, two years ago. Yeah. The probability of that I was yeah. sitting with some suspects is also high, but it has no, nothing uh, to but do. Th- right?
0: This should be potentially um, uh, a better situation and uh, ecosystem for a democratic country, right? Where if, I mean, I, I it's easier for me to uh, choose whom to vote if I know the person instead of if I just hear some whatever, you know, marketing
1: c- campaign on the TV or on
0: a poster, right?
1: Yeah. And and then that, then here comes another character of Slovaks, which plays a very important role, is that, and and I know that people foreigners they heard that, but it's uh, definitely something. Uh, I don't want to make it like sound as as very uh, negative, but it's you know if you if Slovak sees someone succeeding in something. It's very difficult for them just to acknowledge it positively, saying, yeah, like cheer up and say, yeah, look at him, he did it and so on. They are very critical, Mm -hmm. Slovaks are very critical, almost to the level of envying the success of other people, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, this is a kind of strange trait and uh, which you you meet very often. And that's why people say like Slovaks love complaining. They love complaining, but it doesn't mean that they immediately change things which they complained about. But the fact that they complain is well known. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing is uh, how to make it uh, a positive experience for anyone who sees uh, a successful uh, fellow, right uh, in, in let's say in, in, uh, uh, in economy. So there is immediately a, a suspicion that he, he must have gained it in, in, a, in a very illegal way or whatever. So where is the money coming from? And it's 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 kind of a suspicion. So a I think trust I, I, issue. Yeah, well. I think it's a, it's a. I don't know if it's trust issue or. Uh, I think Slovaks were suspicious to anything happening around them, because of uh, of all the culture and the history. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can fully kind of empathize with that. You know, all countries around them were somehow. Trying to uh, control mm-hmm. what was happening on, on the territory, whether it was uh, Hungarians or Austrians or Czechs as well, right? So they they were always uh, doing something which made uh, Slovaks not very comfortable. Mm-hmm. So the generic feeling of suspicion and not trusting, especially when something when they hear a foreign language or foreign person or for an idea, mm-hmm. is is kind of understandable from my perspective. So it's maybe very deeply rooted, but uh, I can see I can see now how many Slovaks they they go to the world, they see how things work, they learn, they make their country and their family proud. So so when they come back, that's a, it's a, it's a huge impact on the society it's mm-hmm. creating, right? But obviously there are. Small villages and so on, where things go a typical Slovak way, <laughs> where the changes or, are not happening that rapidly, okay. <laughs> right? Where where majority of the population is aged and probably um, uh, not employed anymore. So that's uh, that's a two different worlds that mm-hmm. you see in Slovakia, and I think everyone can confirm you see in this difference between like Bratislava which Mm -hmm. is dynamic center of politics economy Mm -hmm. trade and everything and culture and then the rest of the country which is still Mm -hmm. uh, lagging behind in Mm -hmm. in many areas.
0: More than I mean this is my experience since I travel uh, to go to office almost more than half of the country I experienced travels back to Eastern Slovakia from Bratislava on Friday for the weekend. Right, there is always this kind of
1: migration back and forth. I enjoy weekend in Bratislava, you know, (laughs) because it's it's really empty. It's really empty. So,
0: So but that means that you know part of this kind of uh, modern uh, or cosmopolitan impact might go back to, uh, you know.
1: to to the the villages uh. oh yeah yeah you know what uh, i see where uh, the impact is happening is uh, they demand more Mm -hmm. right they want uh, certain services so they they are not happy with the low service level of the countryside anymore Mm -hmm. so if the countryside wants to uh, sell the uh, services and uh, sell it to majority of people who can buy it and those people usually are workforces from Bratislava, mm-hmm. or major cities like Kosice and so on, they need to raise the level of the service they're providing because it's demanded by the customers, right? Yeah. So I think Slovaks became more and more demanding on the quality. So you can see it also uh, uh, on, on, <clears throat> on those uh, issues which happened here in, in Slovak uh, supermarkets where they found out that the same product uh, – which was sold here and in mm-hmm. Western Europe, or just crossed the border, mm-hmm. <laughs> like 50 kilometers away from, from here in, in a supermarket in Austria, the same product had a different quality. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, Slovaks started to demand the same quality for Slovaks as it is for Western because Europe. Because many buy it,
0: uh, particularly here in Bratislava, it's quite easy to go for shopping, right, into any nearby probably Austria is the majority of place but somebody maybe goes to, to Hungary
1: right yeah so, yeah this is basically where you can see the so i think it, it it's uh, the the opening like crossing the border is the funny story about that because i i experienced uh, Slovakia when the borders were functioning mm-hmm. so Slovakia was not a member of the EU and it was not a member of the Schengen right mm-hmm. area so uh, I experienced the times where I had to go to to Vienna, and I really need to apply for visa to get to Vienna. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Also,
0: because you you were not a member of European Union, right? Oh yeah, that that's
1: that's uh, yeah, that's the primary reason because I was still considered as a third country citizen mm-hmm. here in um, in Slovakia, but not as a Slovak citizen. So I was still a Mongolian citizen with uh Permanent residence mm-hmm. in Slovakia. Are you which know Slovak? Do y- you know Slovak
0: in the citizenship or
1: now I am? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I am. As I say, I have both citizenships. How
0: how was uh, taking the Slovak
1: citizenship? They made it a bit harder, actually, okay. uh, because you need to pass a language test, mm-hmm. which scares many foreigners, because you know not everyone is linguists. So how hard a, is this test? Uh, I, for the one who doesn't who didn't study languages and who is not really very much into languages, it, it can be hard. It can be one of the reasons why they would deny to give you a citizenship. So you have like a conversation? You or? have a conversation. You need to write, a, you, you they give you a text. Mm-hmm. You read the text and then they take away you the text and you need to uh, like replicate the text in, mm-hmm. a, in your own words, right? So, and then they have a conversation with you like they ask questions in slovak so you need to know and those questions are not about like which which bread you like it's more about <laughs> what kind of political systems in slovakia mm-hmm. yeah do you know who is the president of slovakia right so all those uh, citizenship related things mm-hmm. which i actually i actually approve it i think it's a it's a right way of to do the testing because if you are a citizen it's it it's not only the fact that you live in the country, but also mm-hmm. the fact that you are you are going to participate in the country's Into the life. the
0: political decision. Exactly. As well. yeah.
1: So uh, I, I started to more and more uh, realize that I'm not a tourist anymore, mm-hmm. right? After some point, I was like kind of uh, blind to this reality of I actually immigrated, yeah, I immigrated to Slovakia, mm-hmm. and many it took many years until I realized this fact. Because mm-hmm. for me it was like still oh I'm a, I'm like in a foreign country there is still I'm probability a yeah I'm a tourist a student temporary in 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 Europe so I will mm-hmm. go back someday but then you you uh, start family uh, you have child and you you start realizing actually that's your life now yeah. right so you are going to live in the country and at some point you have to admit you are. An immigrant, right, Mm -hmm. who came from another country and who lives here. And if you decide, if you understand, if you get this understanding, then you really start to uh, manage your life accordingly. So it means you start thinking like, okay, so what? If I if I decide to live here, what what is going to impact my life? Mm -hmm. Language for sure. Is the knowledge of political system is going to impact? Mm -hmm. Maybe not everyone, right? But for example, if you're making trade. Then you need to understand how the trade works what the laws are yeah so i think that different foreigners coming here they start from different corners right mm-hmm. their integration into the society but at the end of the day all of them need to know something about the cultural life of Slovak, the language it would be awesome to know history of the mm-hmm. country because you kind of connected and you 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 actually understand why Slovaks very often behave the way they behave, right? Because it's historically influenced fact. Mm -hmm. And why is it so difficult for Slovaks to find a role model or be proud of some Mm -hmm. personality? Because the country is only 100 years old, right? Mm. This year, by the way, they're celebrating 100 years together with Czechs. Yeah, but of, even of even existence. like the
0: country in itself is even less, right? So like the the one the Czech Republic and Slovakia split effectively,
1: right? Yeah, but you know that they actually there was a Slovak Republic even before, yes. right? In 37, yes. yes. and so that that these these historical things are are, are good to know because they just show you uh, mistakes they did, mm-hmm. which actually. Uh, makes them think differently on, on, on some aspects of mm. uh, political life, yeah. right? So
0: Even if in reality, at the end, the vast majority of people that are still born, right, just see part of this with their own skin, right? And all the rest is something that they just hear and listen, read in the books, right? Exactly. But still is making their own, uh, you know, way how they behave, probably. And oh, definitely.
1: They, and if they start family... That's I I, nice. I tell you I think it's probably the most uh, efficient way I call it family with the person from the country it's like highway to the access to the culture and mm-hmm. everything right because especially if you have a child you you can start. Educating yourself together with the child almost because <laughs> from the first grade at school, you learn many things about Slovakia uh, through the child because you need to yeah. do homework and you need to see uh, uh, to understand the, the content. So, I, I actually uh, I enjoy it. Right now, we're, we're going through different uh, uh, sightseeing areas in, in uh, Slovakia. They call it like historical mm-hmm. places. So many of them I didn't I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. But because now he's got a book from school and he's studying that <laughs> in fourth grade, it's it just opens my eyes as well to many different aspects. And and the, from the linguistic language perspective, I learn now some words like why they are written, the way they are written. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, because there is a rule behind, right? So it's fun. It's fun and. Uh, and it, it keeps me busy. It uh, lets me uh, experience again Slovakia from, I, I would say it even again, mm-hmm. because even if you 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 live like as I said 18 years in the country, mm. and you speak the language fluently, but it's uh, there are many many things in on all those areas which you learn. And how is your, um,
0: you know, even now it's it's funny to think, right, that you are actually Slovak, right? So not only Mongolian but also Slovak. So um, are you still, do you think, considered foreigner by some people that you meet on in the the park or in the school? (coughs) Yeah, 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 definitely. And how is your relationship with with (coughs) this kind of encounters and with Slovaks?
1: Yeah, I cannot, I cannot uh, blame them for that, right? I mean, if uh, if if I meet you in Mongolia. First, uh, first impression is like you are not in Mongolian, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but I could be. <laughs> but, but you could be, and you could speak fluently Mongolian, right? You could impress me with everything what you know. So, but still, but still, you know, uh, your your brain is, is is not able to to cope with this information that a uh, European-looking person might be a citizen of an Asian country or whatever. Mm-hmm. The same thing is happening here. If people don't realize this, then uh, It's absolutely okay. Some people feel it like easily uh, uh, understandable. Um, In Bratislava, obviously, when you hear uh, someone who looks different than Slovak, let's say from different race even, Mm -hmm. speaking Slovak, maybe they were born here, maybe their parents are from different part of the world, right? But they, they were raised and they lived here. They they accept that uh, idea at least that this this can happen, right? this can happen. But when when and whenever I go through this sh- sh- uh, small village in Slovakia or whatever, so people look at me. Of course, they look like, ah, okay. He must be tourist. He must be a tourist mm-hmm. definitely. The only thing is missing is a camera. Probably mm-hmm. forgot that in the hotel room. But actually, yeah. Stick. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, I, if you just stop and then ask them for the way and the things in Slovak, they just, you know, they're shocked. Many of them really, literally shocked. Uh, but that's that's how that's how all those uh, cultures meet, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, also how, how many
0: Mongolians do you, uh, do you know that are in Slovakia? Oh
1: yeah, that's a good point. Uh, there are only like thirty around thirty Mongolians, which number is always uh, varies because uh, some of them leave. Some of them are students, right? For they are not very long time here, so uh, we, we are we are few of them. But there are, let's yeah. say, six families that mm-hmm. live live in Mongolia, which I'm in connection with, and we have even uh, our society. Mm-hmm. So and
0: that that said, that if if somebody like meets Billy uh, in the street, it's probably uh, like a miracle, right? It's like so. <laughs> Remote option to meet a Mongolia here. That's that's
1: interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many of them would say like the first encounter with Mongolians, probably their ancestors had in the 13th century, right? Mm-hmm. When when Mongolian hordes arrived to, to, to <laughs> but to link this time into my behavior is yeah. it's very difficult then. Of course, you know, they heard about Mongolians, they know who Genghis Khan is, right?
0: Everybody usually, knows who Khan is. Usually it is
1: in the history books, but they they understand that it's a different. Uh, th- we're talking about different times. Is
0: it Genghis Khan or Genghis
1: Khan? How it's to? It's Chinggis Khan. Cenghis. It's chi ch. Right? Chinggis Khan. But somehow there are variations of the word, is of all the names. So mm-hmm. Genghis, I heard Genghis, which is totally yeah. uh, wrong. wrong. Mm-hmm. So the right pronunciation of with ch, mm-hmm. right? So I know they, at least I have a topic to start from, right? I have a good, 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 if they meet someone from another part of Asia who they don't know or who they don't know any person from that country, Mm -hmm. how do they, yeah? Yeah, but that that was a time where basically, you know, the
0: Mon- Mongol Empire was, uh, you know, went till Europe, right? So there was a wide option. Is did you think something remained from that time here as well from the culture or from uh, something you see around the language or Oh, uh,
1: no, it, because it was a very short time they actually okay. stayed here and it it was not really like uh yeah, let me let me give you something as a as a present mm-hmm. before I leave type of trip. <laughs> yeah. So what it was a real occupational uh, war mm-hmm. uh, uh, exercise, right? At that time, so uh, they they came, they actually literally. Uh, burned down the, some yeah. cities you know so it was not culture it was not really in. yeah yeah. it okay. was not it was not perceived that way and historically you see there that many of them but they don't they don't know other aspects of what mongolians actually uh, created mm-hmm. because it's a, it was a almost like a free highway for silk road yeah. to start having uh, the trade yeah it's uh, it became more intense because all the robbers on the on the road were eliminated, right? Because it was united, it was one kingdom, like one empire, yeah, yeah. one one way of the, one rules, let's right, say, trading rules, uh, that, that's many uh, other things, many other definitely
0: things. an interesting part of history. And uh, you know, let, let's uh, you know try to debunk a myth because many times when you you start speaking Slovak with uh, somebody that was born in Slovakia. They usually are surprised, like, ah, <laughs> you know? and, and at one point you start talking about Slovencina. Mm? Uh-huh. So, from a linguist, is it really a hard language, or is it's nothing really so hard as? I yeah, know, yeah, I, I've every seen every language I've have
1: their own. I've seen the article where Slovakia was in like top 10 of the yeah. difficult languages and so on. All kind of fake articles that you, you can imagine because uh, there are much more harder languages. And the reason why those some other languages are harder is because they can, you cannot even relate it mm-hmm. to the language you already know. At least from the perspective, you, you are using the same letters as in, in, in Italian. Yes. So can you imagine that? Can you imagine just uh, comparing this to Chinese characters that which is has nothing in common with yeah. uh, with uh, latin letters and mm-hmm. it's nothing and even even uh, even from a language perspective like uh, among slavic countries here's in a western part of slavic countries this they use those latin mm-hmm. and then they use azbuka or is it the no, the russian like Russia the cyrillic is, in other countries right so that already creates a, a huge difference mm-hmm. so Slovaks say it's very hard for them to write uh, Russian. It, they will never learn that, or they say it's difficult, mm. although they used to speak and, uh, and learn it at school many years ago. But now, I cannot. Im- I can see that the younger generation, they have uh, really, they would have problem to read anything in, in, in Russian, mm-hmm. but when they hear Russian, they might pick up certain things which are similar to their language. So, what is the difficulty? Is it how you read it? Is it how you speak it? Understanding the language? So if you're a total foreigner from uh, an African country coming to Europe, Mm -hmm. there is no difference in difficulty between Italian and Slovak Mm -hmm. for that person, (laughs) let's say, right? So I think uh, it's, you know, it's subjective, like where the person is coming from. But for within the Europe, I wouldn't consider Slovak as one of the okay. hardest languages, whatever. Then you should actually tell that all Slavic languages are hard. Yeah.
0: But then but how can you define a hardness of a language? Yeah, that's,
1: the end, that's right? exactly the thing. Like Obviously, if you're
0: born, uh, I don't know, in Poland, you might have less troubles in learning Slovak than if you're born in Italy, right? Yeah,
1: Because you have a s- so basic... That's why there is no common agreement uh, even among linguists to, to, to say like what is the hardness, right? How to say this? Is it the hard if just only few people speak the language because the rest of the world yeah. doesn't speak? Is it the indicator? Then if it is an indicator, Chinese is the easiest language because majority of Earth population yeah. speaks Chinese, right? <laughs> so it's not, it's, not, it's not very easy to define uh, the grammar. Well yeah, it says uh, Slovak has a difficult grammar, yeah. but then other languages have difficulties in vocabulary. Yeah. So you, you use same words for different uh, things, right? So uh, that's very subjective thing. Okay. Yeah? So if, you, if every language, is, it depends on the person who, who is learning. If you are a person who is into languages, any language is mm-hmm. learnable. so you can learn without any problem right but if you are someone who already struggled almost with own language <laughs> and now and now uh, is pushed to learn a new foreign language any new foreign language will be a a, a big challenge definitely mm-hmm. so the mm-hmm. the willingness to learn a third fourth language will just decrease obviously yeah yeah, yeah.
0: and then we see maybe perhaps also your uh, your kid is uh, able to speak mongolian and slovak right yeah, and there is no whatsoever uh, difficult task for a bilingual mind. So you know, for for on.
1: for kids, it's uh, it's a little bit complicated because also we, we shouldn't forget that uh, the language develops rapidly, and you see the technology is developing. I don't have Mongolian doesn't have sometimes their own words for for some uh, technology things, so it's just taken in English, mm-hmm. right? The motherboard is a motherboard, probably. Mm-hmm. So we don't create a new word, which includes word mother. How, how to
0: say pizza in Mongolian? Pizza, right? Oh. Pizza is
1: also pizza, right? Because so you we have a common you, word yeah. in both languages. Oh, okay. From that perspective, we have many common okay. words from different countries. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So it's uh, it's influenced, right? Mm-hmm. It's influenced by by other languages, especially by English now in Mongolia. Mm and do you miss
0: something from mongolia that uh, you cannot find in this area
1: <laughs> yeah i do, i think one thing is just uh, the the fact that you have the relatives and family there mm-hmm. where you can be who you are mm-hmm. with all those negatives and positives right in in slovakia i don't have that so if you if i meet the family of my wife it's still like considered like um, uh it's not like your own family your own parents so you behave so to say right Mm -hmm. you you show the best part of you Uh, whenever i go to Mongolia, i can really be sometimes like oh okay i think that there are some mongolian uh elements in me that were not allowed to show in slovakian environment so i go to mongolia and there i feel like uh and believe me, it's not about drinking or singing, no. <laughs> definitely not. But uh, things like just to complain uh, or tell things, like uh, in in Mongolian words, and not swearing. We don't have actually Slovak swear a lot. That's one of the things. And they swear. It's not always in negative things. Uh, they just like love to express things in some swearing words, which uh, which for them is easier to to ventilate the emotions. even internally so i think that's an emphasis uh, yeah function i I think i think it's just a a kind of psychological therapeutical kind of uh (laughs) element of speaking uh, those magic words as i say in slovaks so i do them i do that as well Mm -hmm. Uh, so but yes I, I miss i miss like uh, the close relatives people who i spent my childhood with mm-hmm. who have a common, common experience uh, common lineage you know and this is uh, this is not possible to replace by mm-hmm. anything any particular
0: any uh, food or taste you
1: from food perspective <coughs> actually Mongolians are very simple we don't have very uh, our cuisine is actually not really special yeah i shouldn't be telling it if some mongolians hear me they would, they would probably uh, object What's, what is the top mongolian dish? but it's meat actually it's meat in any forms right okay. uh, all different type of meats and and the, the taste of meat is amazing okay but it's just meat mostly and with uh, noodles probably mm. and uh, rice but otherwise, uh, before noodle and rice existed, imagine in Mongolia, what does it? Yeah, no vegetables really, mm-hmm. not that much. Fruits you can forget almost because it doesn't grow. Mm-hmm. So and mi- milk, uh,
0: like I yeah, yeah milk, products, tea, milk products. tea with milk, cheese and
1: so on. That's but, okay. Yeah. That's was So mi- uh, meat with cheese, but it's seasonal, right? Mm-hmm. As well, you should not forget that it's uh, cheese is not uh, all around the year, right? You can have. From traditionally, now you can buy anything in a in supermarket, of course. But the cuisine is so simple that anything I experienced outside of Mongolia was like, wow, mm. experience for me. Like, what is this? Never had it before. So my wife, she loves cooking. Mm-hmm. And... Whatever she cooks is just so amazing. Mm. And, and I think I'm the easiest customer for her. Like, I, I love everything what she cooks mm. and it tastes awesome.
0: What's your favorite food in Slovakia?
1: Favorite Slovak food? Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, Dukatové buchtičky. I think mm-hmm. I like that one. <laughs> With but, but also Brinzové Halusky are also fine. Mm. It took me like uh, half a year to get used to Brinzové Halusky. You know, because brinza, this cheese that's kind of special taste. Okay. And it's not consistent throughout Slovakia. So sometimes you have a brinza which tastes okay, and sometimes it's kind of totally mm-hmm. different, almost uh, awful. Is
0: then there p- anything similar in Mongolia to brinza? There no, are no, no. no, goats, no right, we in do, in yeah,
1: yeah, we, we do have, but those kind of products uh, are not. Used right in Mongolia, so we we don't. uh, It's it's almost like a byproduct of some processing, (laughs) milk (laughs) processing. So um, we usually have the 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 butter Mm -hmm. and the cheese, and usually it's hard cheese that you come out. So brinza is kind of different, right? It's different special uh, taste. uh, A kind of sub process uh, level in in the process. Did you try also
0: that um, kind of drink made of? uh, uh, sheep uh, milk. This uh, Jinjitsa, it's ah, is gengizza.
1: Ah, Okay. It's quite a yeah. uh, sparkling milk, but it's <laughs> yes. very weird and hard <laughs> to. You see, like if you so know gengizza, then uh, you already uh, it, the word sounds even Chinese. I would say. Yeah, <laughs> that was
0: my thinking. As well, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it is, it is an interesting thing. Uh, the, you know, but this is food that s- majority of Slovaks don't eat themselves that often. Let's be mm. open. Like right? they say, it's traditional, but how many times they eat it during the week? I mean, mm. I don't think majority of them they eat or drink ginjitsa every day, right? Yeah, no, no. I think not. that's not that's not the reality. So, I, we need to connect the reality to of people uh, to the to the cultural, you know, historical mm-hmm. uh, list of you know dishes that they have, right? So. Uh, as I said, I, I love Slovak food. Uh, I loved German food, so switching from German to Czech or Slovak food is, is not a big deal because mm-hmm. it's almost the same, right? So Europe has its own kind of food based on pork on, <laughs> and all no, different, different, different types of... Uh, the, I
0: think there is a significant difference. This is my experience yeah. between the Mediterranean uh, cuisine, right? Oh. And what you find in the Central Europe. So it's... Uh, uh, you 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 feel the switch, right? Particularly the switch between olive oil and butter. Oh yeah, actually, okay. the, the, and this changes the taste from many, many many because you start cooking with the, this kind of different bases, right? And it, it changes the taste of anything. That, that's
1: true. That's when I say when I say Europe, then I need to be careful because there is a southern Europe which has very nice Mediterranean uh, mm. uh, Europe, which has. Uh, uh, cuisine, which is very uh, uh, contains seafood and all this yeah. type of thing, which is which doesn't exist in Central Europe that much. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, but from the Central Europe perspective, yeah. it's kind of mm-hmm. pretty same, right? Uh, like, I don't think there is a significant difference between Slovak, Czech, and Polish dish.
0: And <laughs> perhaps it's, uh, it has a lot to do with history. I because I come, for example, from the northeast of Italy. And the cuisine in that region, since it was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, it's very similar to Slovak and Austrian cuisine. Right, yeah. so you find similar basics and things just because not of uh, you know nationality, but the historical background of those areas. Right, so that is where uh, that that's interesting as well as uh, yeah.
1: area. There are varieties.
0: And um, what about? Um what you don't like about Slovakia right so if for example you would like to change something that still doesn't work and you don't like what what would be that thing?
1: yeah yeah it's like it's not about not liking it but I would say um, the the self-confidence right of Slovaks is something that they need to improve definitely mm-hmm. I always see it no matter if in a working in business environment but they kind of uh, <clears throat> not always self-confident they think they cannot do some certain things they Mm -hmm. don't dare for some higher higher goals very often right they i feel uh, and it's very difficult to generalize but maybe it's it's uh, also rooted historically it's it's it was oppressed right Mm -hmm. it was oppressed by different cultures and so on so you need to prove that you can do things on worldwide level, mm-hmm. for example, and that's why I feel like Slovaks—they love their successful uh, fellow mm-hmm. in in uh, in uh, sports, so right? For example, in ice hockey, because they show that they can they can actually compete with the best of the best in the world yeah. in the National Hockey League, right? So this is the bar they see, like, uh, yeah, we can prove ourselves as Slovaks to be a very high level on uh, quality, very high level on uh, positions even, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think uh, Slovaks need to learn a little bit to fight for certain uh, positions as well. Even you see that within European Union, right, the... There was a there was a discussion about moving one of the agencies to Bratislava, mm-hmm. and they lost and they lost the battle. Uh, and this this is something I, I believe, and also I see it on my wife sometimes. Like she she doubted, right? So about herself whether she's doing the right thing or not. Mm-hmm. So this, and then it's very close to complaining, right? External factors. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, that's, that might be, now I've just realized, that might be actually the root of, of complaining and making external circumstances the, the reason for, for the misery or for, for the problem. Mm-hmm. But very often I think it's just the confidence, self-confidence of Slovaks that I miss. So they need to learn to be in, in all fields, whether science or, or public sector or government, right? Mm. education and I see good examples actually I've seen some series of radio programs in Slovak radio where mm-hmm. they interview successful Slovaks abroad who people don't know about mm-hmm. so even even the fact that they're successful is not known <laughs> right so I think this is this is like a sense of pride about mm-hmm. accomplishments right? That's what creates a national confidence. Yeah. You have it because, you know, Italy has a rich history, Roman Empire and so on. There was a huge accomplishment uh, from the history that entitles you to, to feel very proud of of the country you are coming from. So very small countries, sm- many small countries which have no significant impact, uh, historical impact in the past mm-hmm. or might have been part of the bigger empire and was oppressed during that time they're just learning it and i said it's like less than 100 years of uh, of history of some of those countries Mm -hmm. and i think they're still in search of their like pride and identity Mm -hmm. and maybe this is the reason why it's uh, it's you know
0: Uh, is it also disconnected maybe because I, i in the previous episode as well right so what came out quite often is that when you have an interaction particularly with a foreigner right there is uh, always this kind of a uh, little bit of closure at the beginning hard to start the conversation uh, is this also due to you think to the self-confidence i think
1: i think exactly that's the reason like they for example my wife she speaks very good english but she believes that her english is not good enough to start conversation with certain people mm-hmm. so why is it so and i see i see many even in, uh, in in the business environments of foreigners, like from from Spain or mm-hmm. or, or, or you know uh, France, whose English is like terrible, but they are confident and they talk to hundreds of people, yeah. and they believe they understand them. Just it's just because they they are open and they don't see th- they put the pressure on themselves, right? And I think Slovaks they put unnecessary pressure on themselves many times when they. Uh, when they uh, start using their skills, their knowledge, and so on, mm-hmm. right? So it could be really the, the root cause.
0: Did you... Maybe another topic I would like to know is because uh, since, uh, I think, 2015 was the time, um, th- there was a kind of uh, more attention towards foreigners right particularly uh, and what i understand in the, you know the public narrative there are kind of two levels of foreigners right there are the dangerous one and the good ones and so on and i am you know this obviously depends on the individual right but the political messages are definitely in many you know political parties and so on are kind of uh closing towards you know this kind of the world outside Slovakia so what what do you think about it and uh, do you feel a change or
1: I think it will not change that easily and and as I said I mentioned that Slovakia was part of other countries and every everyone they met just historically can you imagine like everyone they met historically who spoke foreign language Mm -hmm. was usually the one who was occupying and, and, and oppressing them so I think it's a deep-rooted like, kind of fear of anything foreign coming to the land they live in. And that's something we should just psychologically recognize and say, yeah, it's, it's, it's not possible to erase it with, uh, with a speech, mm-hmm. right? You cannot uh, change the law and hope that it will change uh, immediately the behavior of people. I think, uh, I think it's a long journey. Mm-hmm. And it starts like, uh, uh, on different levels. Mm-hmm. For them, it would be like uh, easier to accept people coming from neighboring countries, even though they're foreigners. It would, it would be a natural way of uh, getting used to them. But it, look, look at the Hungarian population in southern Europe, right? Mm-hmm. How much they are uh, accepted or integrated into Slovak culture. It's questionable. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, they're still considered by majority of the Slovaks from the north or uh, other ca- other parts of Slovakia as almost like a foreigners in their own country, yeah. <laughs> who who just uh, uh, just happen to live with them. <laughs> so and it's it's centuries, right? They lived, and it uh, was not possible just to adapt. Yeah, and i'm not saying like they should push on this i think it should happen just naturally at the end of the day uh, diversity means uh, the beauty of having different opinions different cultural backgrounds Mm -hmm. and utilizing the best out of them right instead of uh, fearing all those small tiny things in each of those things because no, no one is perfect So I can list on each of us, including you and me, Mm -hmm. some attributes which are not really ideal, Mm -hmm. which Slovaks would say, I don't want to have you because of this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But what about those good attributes that you are not focusing on, right? What do we bring into this culture uh, as a benefit? So I think that's uh, something I just realized when I was uh, teaching at at school, that it's not the fact that I taught them English that brought the value, but the fact that many students realize that it's an Asian-looking Mongolian who was teaching them English mm-hmm. in Slovakia, right? How weird it is. So I think that, that experience was uh, the most like uh, interesting and maybe mind-changing thing. So it, sometimes even the presence of the foreigner uh, lets you think many times, right? Mm-hmm. About, so, yourself, like about yourself, like about yourself, about your worldviews how limited it was until that person appeared in your and life. And
0: then if this Asian-looking Mongolian speaks even Slovak, then it's uh, even more It's mind-blowing, more right? Thing. Yes.
1: <laughs> no, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's an it's a, uh, interesting uh, combination, I would say.
0: So the direction this is for, you know, being more open with to foreigners and have a conversation and travel more, perhaps, what do you think?
1: Yeah, Slova- Slovaks, they started to travel a lot. So I think uh, it, it's opening a lot. Uh, what I see as a kind of fear when you look at the people is more uh, maybe like a middle age or even older generation, which fear, but that generation fears as well in in England for example right they're afraid of foreigners because they remember different times and you cannot you cannot just erase this time mm-hmm. where uh, in Czechoslovakia there were almost no foreigners yeah. so if they got used to this life and now you change it and bring different cultures that's not easy same as in in, in, in Britain they're leaving European Union because still a majority of population is uh, has not adapted or accepted the fact that uh, the country is very diverse. Mm -hmm. But
0: I always question the reality if it's population or if it's just a political message, like if it's really what people think or is what people are, you know, dragged to think in that moment of time. But in reality, if they would really face uh, you know, foreigner with them, they would behave differently. That's, oh, yeah, that's what
1: they I would. think. I, I'm pretty sure they would behave. And this, many of those people who don't like foreigners, for example, in eastern Germany, they come from villages where there are no foreigners at mm-hmm. all. So the fear is totally unjustified, right? Yeah. <laughs> and because they don't meet those people, they don't not they are not in contact with those foreigners. They don't have an unbiased opinion. So everything what they have, or their opinions they have, is just Influenced. Mm-hmm. So, if if you have uh, people or population in your country who gets the information, which is very biased and can be influenced, then it becomes a channel for all those uh, radicals, mm-hmm. right, and populists who who utilize it. And they know because this is the easiest way how they I- impact those people. People in the city they are harder to impact because mm-hmm. they already have the first-hand experience with foreigners. They, you can tell that the foreigners is afraid is, is, a, is a threat for, for, for me but actually I cannot believe it because I met I know I have some friends, foreigners who are not threats. So mm-hmm. this firsthand experience is much stronger and they're more resistant to any kind of populism mm-hmm. right So the, the, and this division is happening across the Europe. It's not mm-hmm. only a Slovak phenomenon. it's like people in a countryside who don't have a contact to foreigners, are impacted by news and everything they receive, and they actually decide uh, mm. to be afraid. And what is the what is the solution for them? You cannot just put them in the bus and bring them to the city, show foreigners, and then it changes <laughs> their yeah. mind. I mean, we also have foreigners uh, that are not
0: integrating, right? So that perhaps, you know, the expat part of uh, who is just coming... Working and going home without, uh, you know, having any relationship with the place. So this definitely is not helping any integration. I would yeah. say,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the question is like uh, whether it should really happen. Like, do you want like full integration? Yeah. Sometimes it's not it's not even needed, right? So you you might need just to uh, get get a uh, like basic knowledge about the country or the culture you're coming to. Mm-hmm. You spend some time working and studying there, yeah. but this is already an integration. So the ability to leave and not be in all the time shocked—it mm-hmm. is already integration, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So there are there are situations, extreme situations when people come and they say this is really not my world, because the way people uh, clothe themselves. The way people talk to their parents or whatever is inacceptable and I see it everywhere. I, I turn the TV on, the programs and everything which I see there is, is not acceptable to me. That's an extreme situation where people are not able to integrate. But the yeah. majority of the foreigners who come to any country, Germany or mm-hmm. Slovakia or Italy, they don't have a problem. Mm-hmm. They, know. they know how to use public transport. They yeah. know how to pay tickets. They know how to work, how to get salaries. You know, it's uh, they are integrated, but the level of integration is different. Not all of them know the literature and history of the country, mm-hmm. right? Not all of them spend time reading books and so on. It's it's okay, and I think uh, this uh, we should tell. We should actually uh, let the, the majority of population understand that. What do you expect then? Yeah? Yeah. What what is the integration? What does integration mean for you? Yeah. Do you want them to be fluent in Slovak? Well, try you to be fluent in a foreign language, Mm. right? So you can actually many of those things are not like do to others what you want others do to yourself, right? Mm. That's that's a very universal uh, rule that is almost in every religion across the globe. So why do you have so different requirements on a foreigners compared to you, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a, that's a discussion that people need to um, start with themselves first, <laughs> and then and then probably uh, more look or search for contact mm-hmm. with uh, with a foreign with foreigners, right? Yeah. yeah, And many many of the things were foreign in their own country anyway even their ancestors came to the country yeah. they were foreigners
0: so we we, we are all uh, yeah we were all actually you know coming from a different area where, where absolutely we
1: are, uh, so i think i think it's just about the adaptability of yeah. the people like uh flexibility and adaptability
0: we definitely live in between italy and mongolia we share a common ancestor
1: right so oh yes so yeah don't bring in even marco polo into that <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> might be Marco, Polo <laughs> Yeah. Um,
0: do, you, do you feel at home in Slovakia?
1: Oh, yeah. And you know, I had this feeling at some point when I was traveling back from Mongolia to Slovakia. Mm-hmm. I had the, for the first time, it happens I think to every foreigner, when you go back and forth to country, because you, when you want to meet your parents and siblings and your family, you feel like I'm going home, of course. But then when you establish your own family and you have your own child, and they live here in Slovakia, then you're sitting in an airplane and you feel I'm, I'm coming back home, yeah? because mm-hmm. this is my home now. So it's not anymore the, the country where I'm originating from, but the country where my, my actual family is. And I think that was the feeling, I don't remember in, when was it, I think 2009, I was really having this very strong feeling, like the shift in my mind Happening in the plane, and I was like, "Oh, interesting! Very interesting. Why I feel like this way?" <laughs> yeah, I do feel at home. So, and that's why I always, I also tell like uh, compare if if Slovaks could compare life in Slovakia to different places in the world, and in in my at my work, I traveled really many countries, mm. and I always say like "Zlate Slovensko," right? So really slovaks should appreciate the, mm-hmm. all the accomplishments they had right the things that they really were able to do uh, and feel pride for what they could accomplish mm-hmm. in those last 50 years and uh, look really very positively to the future and be open to to different uh ways of approaching the future right So it's not like only uh, uh, nationalistic and very narrow-minded way that will bring them to the future, Mm -hmm. but it's actually the open-minded, embracing the diversity, that would bring really, uh, I think, more benefit to Slovakia and Slovakia's future, actually. So if you look at the workforce situation in Slovakia, it's, it's the only solution anyway already. How to say uh, thank you for listening in Mongolian? Uh,
0: I will not repeat it, but thank you for listening.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening to my Slovak experience. See you at the next interview. Till then, have fun, share and enjoy.